Welcome to MLS Gone Wild. We have a special guest with us, Shikori Hayes, joining us today from Minnesota. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another week of MLS Gone Wild. Uh, we have a really cool um, episode for you guys tonight. Um, I think you're going to really like it. Blake, let's get it. Yeah, guys, like both of them said, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. This is our 14th episode. We actually just hit our 1,000th listen on all of our episodes. So that's a big milestone for us. So uh, we're super hyped about that. Um, but we're, let's get serious now. So in this episode, we're not going to be discussing any soccer, but rather we're going to be discussing something much more important. That being the recent murder of George Floyd, the protests across the country that have followed, and the Black Lives Matter movement. This discussion is going to feel uncomfortable for, at least for me personally, um, but it's a conversation that we need to have today, we need to have tomorrow, we need to have it next week, we need to have it next month, we need to have it next year, we need to have it until everything has changed, until there is justice and equality for every man, woman, and child in this country. Um, so through our guest, Ja'Cory, today, we seek to further educate ourselves, understand and support the, the black men and women, or black men, women, and children in our communities. Soccer is our passion, but equality and justice this week is our mission. Um, so, like I said, Ja'Cory Hayes, our guest, Minnesota United FC, um, midfielder, alumni, alumni of, uh, of Wake Forest University. Shout out to Hayden Partain for giving us this, uh, this connection. My uh, boy, gotta, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Ja'Cory, welcome, man. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about you, who you are, what you stand for. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, honored to be here. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Bowie, Maryland. Um, went to college at Wake Forest University, like you said. Played there for four, four years, graduated in three and a half, and did you know was drafted by FC Dallas at the beginning of 2017, and had three seasons there under two coaches, and you know was just traded to Minnesota United right before the preseason started off this year. Um, so it's uh, only been a couple months in this new home, but um, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, the year started off exciting, just a new change and new scenery and hopefully a, a chance to better my career. Um, and then, you know, coronavirus hit and now we're, now we're dealing with, you know, another, another murder of a black man and it happened to be in Minneapolis. Um, so, you know, it's uh, a lot, a lot has happened in 2020 and, you know, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot to digest for sure. Yeah, like you said, um, you, you know, you're new to the Minnesota area. Uh, with the, the murder of George Floyd happening in Minneapolis, that's it's pretty close to home, pretty close to your new home for you. So can you describe your, your feelings and thoughts on the murder of George Floyd, the protests that have followed across the United States, and the overall social injustice in America? Yeah, that's a, a big question to tackle, um, a lot of parts of that. So the first part for George Floyd, you know, watching the film or watching the video of, of his murder, it's, uh, it's haunting to see, you know, someone's last moments, you know, their last words. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely not a comfortable video to watch. And, um, you know, I was kind of just lost and had, was just numb to it all, just like no feelings. Um, just because I've, I've seen so many videos like that, even recently with Ahmaud Arbery um, in Georgia, it's, um, it's a, a constant case that keeps happening. And, um, and it's, it's, it's hard to say, it's sad to say, but it's, it's, it, won't, it won't be the last one. You know, it's unfortunately like if things don't change and 
if we keep on this path, it will just repeat in a, in a few months, you know, another time. Um, so, yeah, just the, the thoughts in my head when I initially saw it was just like how repetitive this nature is and how many, how many people we've learned about, how many videos we've seen where we've seen people take their last breaths or um, especially at the hands of, of police officers um, who, are, who are there to protect and serve. So uh, it, was, it was very tough to watch that video. Um, and then in terms of protest across the country, um, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing the, the numbers of people that have come out to speak out against this. And, um, you know, the, there has been change, even in his, the verdict on the officers have changed today. And that, that doesn't happen unless, you know, people are out there protesting and putting, putting people's foot to the fire and demanding, you know, justice. Um, do we all wish it happened, you know, at the second, we all saw the video of course you know it doesn't take long for me to be like all right all four people should have been charged with something right from the get-go the second i saw the video so it is disappointing that it took you know even a week lots of protests um riots um you know it, it took a lot for it to even reach this point but um it is it is a, a big milestone or a big step that they were even charged to begin with um, and now it's about, you know, just handling the process of will they actually be punished by the court system? Um, that's a whole nother issue, um, dealing with the reform of that. Um, so that it's not like this is mission accomplished or, you know, we, we've solved everything and, you know, this will never happen again. There's so many more steps that need to happen, but I guess that that is a small victory today that, you know, all four were charged. So you spoke a little bit about, you know, the, the protests, they did bring some change with the, the recent, you know, upgrade in charges and the charges of the other three officers. With the case of Ahmaud Arbery, that took about two months to really surface once the video came out. So thank God for cell phones and, you know, um, technology. So this thing could actually be put out to the media. So, you know, a push could be made to get justice for Ahmad and his family and um, everybody else that's been in a similar situation to that. So I have a question from one of my, one of my good friends. He sent it to me right before we got on here. Um, and I can, there, there's a little background to it. Um, so like we we're saying right now, unfortunately, George Floyd's murder by the police is not the first. It's not the last. Today, we're all, I said we're all from Columbus, but we're actually from a little suburb outside of Columbus, Reynoldsburg, Ohio. And for the first time in, I believe, probably our lifetime, we're all around the same age as you, Ja'Cory. Uh, we saw a protest in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. Reynoldsburg, like I said, is a suburb outside of Columbus, but we've never seen a protest there. And there was a protest right down Main Street. My dad called me today. My dad actually went down and spoke to a police officer, which I thought was amazing. Um, but this feels a little bit different from what we've seen on social media. You know, we've seen police officers take a knee. We've seen police officers march. We've seen legitimate conversations happening. Does this one feel a little bit different to you? Uh, yes, it's, um, it does feel different in terms of the number of engagements on social media. You know, the, you know, everyone seems to be posting about it now and there, there seems to be a lot of momentum being, involved around this um the aftermath and you know right now it's about just hoping this momentum sustains um 
and uh, like thinking upon it, uh, thinking about this whole situation and talking with friends, it's, you know, like the, the always the next question is, all right, so what do we do in a couple weeks? Cause it's not like we can keep talking about this or, you know, what there's going to be at some point people are going to you know stop posting on Instagram. So what, what actions do people take in their day to day, um, week to week to keep handling this issue? Um, and so it's uh, talking to my friends, it's, you know, tackling racism as a whole is a, a massive mountain. And, you know, it's, it's not something one person can do by themselves. It's, you know, it's about every person doing the little bit, the little micro changes and um, staying in their lane, whatever that lane may be. Maybe it is protesting, maybe it is, you know, being out there, you know, hitting the pavement, going to the marches. Uh, or sometimes, sometimes it looks like, you know, writing what's on your mind, you know, you know, passing around, you know, what organizations are doing good work in the community, enlightening other people, teaching other people. Um, and so in talking with my friend, you know, he's a, he's a teacher uh, in South Texas. And, you know, he's in this upcoming year, he's going to be teaching AP US history. Uh, so, you know, this is not a perfect opportunity for him to, you know, teach 20, 30 kids and show them, you know, the full history of US, um, the goods, the bad, um, you know, turn them into advocates for social justice and, you know, show them, you know, that this, what, what can be changed in this country to have a, you know, a, the liberty and, you know, the, the ideals for all liberty and justice for all, uh, for all the citizens. So it's a, it's an opportunity for him to mold, you know, young kids in that direction. So that's his lane and how to, you know, carry this momentum going. Um, and then, you know, people like me, we can, you know, we have a platform, a little following on Instagram or on social media. We can, you know, post various organizations to keep people involved. You know, whatever books people are reading or people books that I'm reading, you can post and, you know, oh, here's what I learned today or here's what I learned from this book. You know, there's little things. Everyone has their own path. And, you know, if we keep, uh, we keep going down this path with everyone doing their little part, I think we can actually make a really big difference. Uh, Ja'Cory, so like, what do you think is going to be like, what do you think the next step in this process is going to be is like to abolish racism for in like to give justice to everybody? Yeah, because it's a it's a big issue that, you know, it was it's been forming over 400 years since this country's inception. So it's not going to go away in a week. You know, it's not going to go away in a month. Um, so it's, it's everyone doing their 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 part, their their little bit to, you know, um, having having these conversations, having tough conversations with family members, you know, looking in the mirror and saying, you know, what can I do to to end it? Um, and that's a it's another thing. Like, am I am I doing enough as a Jacory Hayes as a black man that's playing you know, professional soccer? Am I doing enough to um, to end racism or you know you know lift up other other black people and other minorities? Uh, in the communities around me, am I doing enough? And uh, I think if everyone has those conversations and has those uh, reflections, um, that then you actually have to act on it. Um, think things can move in the right direction. And and I, I don't want to belittle this. Like this this won't be solved in in a short period of time. You know, it's going to take you know a lot of action uh, to actually you know overcome something that's been a part of this country for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, just making little steps every day or every week, you know, baby steps are still progress forward. Um, so doing doing your little part, I think will help. 
And I, I feel like uh, I feel like the government should, you know, speak a little bit more than what they have done so far. Because I feel like they're they're kind of hiding behind the walls right now. They're not really speaking up on on behalf of everybody with this movement. So I feel like, you know, if they're trying to like they're if they're going to try to push the issue, then I feel like they should, you know, speak up a little bit more and give you know give a little bit give, little give a little bit of hope in the government system for the people that actually want to push this to get solved and stuff like that. So I feel like they're kind of just hiding a little bit more than what they should. Yeah, I mean, listening to, I mean, I don't want to go too much into the politics of it because this shouldn't be like a political issue. Um, this should just be, you know, we're human beings. You know, we, we're living in the U.S. We have rights and, you know, the Constitution. We're all supposed to be equal underneath the Constitution. So it's it's not even like a politicized thing, but, you know, just listening to Trump, he, what I think was yesterday or two days ago, he gave the talk at uh, his, his speech and, you know, he called the rioters and looters domestic terrorists. And I don't think he's ever, you know, called the, the police officer who did this a, a terrorist. That's, you know, um, he's never, you know, used those harsh words when, you know, in Charlottesville, he never said, said that was a, an act of terrorism. So it's, it's interesting the words he's using to condemn certain people. Um, and like you said, it's not very unifying. It's not giving people much hope. Um, and I think that's a, a, a way that people can, you know, enact change and it's, it's getting out to vote. And um, it, even I think Barack Obama posted on his Instagram story and maybe it was a tweet, but you know, it's, it's not just about the big national elections and it's something that I'm guilty of as well. It's not about the, who's the president or, you know, the Senate races, it gives even smaller than that to your local state elections. Um, and so that's something that, you know, I've opened my eyes to, and it's something that I need to be a part of, you know, the whole political spectrum of, of voting for everything, you know, even in the local elections, there's a smaller amount of people that vote for that. So your vote's even more important and carries even more weight. So, um, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's important to get out to vote if you if you don't feel like, you know, this the way things have been handled don't really inspire the hope and change that you're you're looking for. Um, there's a way to change that. There's, there's, it's, a, it's an active thing that you can do and it's, it's going out to vote. It's not some theoretical thing like, oh, I need to read 10 chapters. I need to read this, this book, this book, this book. And, you know, maybe I'll be enlightened. Um, it's, it's something actually you can physically do and it, it makes a difference. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the change doesn't start on a national government scale. It starts in your small locality, you know, whether that be uh, Reynoldsburg, Ohio, or whether that be Minneapolis. Um, Ferguson, Missouri, um, there was a black man gunned down by a police officer there, I believe, in like 2014. Off the top of my head, I'm sorry, I don't remember the name. But recently, they did just elect their first African-American mayor, a female African-American mayor. I just saw it on the news tonight. And since we were just talking about the subject, I thought that was important to bring up. Um, so voting in your um, smaller elections um, for your mayors, your state representatives, that's huge because that's going to provide influence and provide a voice from directly where you live and your people's perspective um, within your community. So I think that is huge, just getting out to vote. It sounds simple, um, yeah. almost, it, it almost sounds too simple, but like it can make a huge, huge difference. And sometimes I feel like you know, people our age, we're all, you know, caught up in starting our careers. And, you know, we all love soccer. Jacory, you're playing professionally. We're all caught up in watching, whether it's EPL, MLS, or whatever. Um, and just our 
everyday life that we don't really get to sit down and really go over our options and form opinions on these types of things. So I believe that having this conversation that we're having right now and unfortunately the events that have happened has offered us the opportunity to really think differently and um, think creatively about ways that we can, you know, influence change within our communities. Right. 100% agree. Yeah. So just a question here, like you talked about people confronting their parents and kind of like getting the message out there. What would your advice to them be where like to get the message out or, um, but they don't really know where to start? Like, how do you help them? What is your message to them to give them a starting point to understand the whole, everything going on and like to get involved if they want to get involved or should get involved? But like, where do you ask them to start? What is your suggestion for them to start? Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. Um, it, it all starts, for, I think, from just educating yourself, um, whether that's podcasts, you know, reading reading books will help you the base layer like we said before you know um you know i said you know, reading books isn't just enough you have to have some action afterwards but you know you have to have you know the knowledge to actually you know know what you're talking about and confront people or you know have these conversations with people you have to have a basis understanding you can't just go in there blind and not knowing anything um so there, there's a lot of podcasts out there you know a friend showed talked to me about the 1619 podcast that the new york times did um that just kind of documents you know the history of this country starting back in you know when the first slaves were brought over in 1619 uh, i checked out the first two episodes recently and you know i was just you know blown away by the amount that i learned in there and um you know you, you read authors tanahesi coates um so i i personally love james baldwin um you know, there's, there's plenty of authors out there, you know, uh, on my autobiography of Malcolm X, you can read that. Um, there's, there's plenty of resources out there to at least get a base layer understanding of, of that. And then, you know, like you said, it might be uncomfortable to, you know, confront the people that you, you love, you, you, you have like good relationships with, but hopefully the relationship's strong where you can have these difficult conversations. You can um, voice your opinion and, challenge them on theirs whether it's you know you know to be honest it shouldn't be a it, the conversation shouldn't be about like questioning whether like a black person should have like just basic rights that are you know as seen like i shouldn't have to like defend my humanity to you um but for some people they 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 don't see it that way so you have to confront them and challenge them as such and i understand these conversations are hard but um they're the tough ones that we need we need to have yeah and i liked your you brought up james baldwin and i was reading i read your statement that um uh, minnesota posted and you had the james baldwin quote at the end saying not everything that is faced can be changed but nothing can be changed until it's faced and i think that's really powerful i thought that was really powerful because there are so many people sitting back and kind of being in a neutral position where it's we're not going to be able to change it if we have so many people kind of sitting back and I thought that was kind of interesting because it kind of pushes you it kind of like allows you to know hey I need to get in this before I see any change like me sitting back is not helping anything matter it might even be making things worse a little bit right and I thought that quote perfectly summed up you know just hope 
you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it is a, a difficult mountain to climb to get over to overcome all this, but it doesn't happen until people actually put in the work for it. And so, yes, it's a daunting task. It's a daunting challenge. It's a, it's a difficult conversation. It's a lot of little actions that need to happen. It might take a long time, but if you don't face it and confront it and, you know, give it all, you'll never see the result that you truly want. Yeah, and I thought I thought that was good. I mean, and then we're talking about the message and stuff like that. Um, have you like kind of because this is like kind of a worldwide type of issue and things going on? Have you kind of had like a different type of? Um, have you ever had any encounters with this type of thing? Have you ever been like kind of scared or walked on eggshells a little bit? Yeah, I talked about it a little bit in the in the piece. Um, you know, there was a time on on my campus at Wake Forest where you know, walking back uh, uh, back onto campus, you know, I was walking with a group of my roommates who were who were, who were white, and uh, I was the one asked to show as I show my ID to prove that I go to the school and I can come back on campus. Um, it's one of those you kind of just uh, it hits you, and then it's like, man, like. I guess that's the way life is, I guess, you know, it shouldn't be like that. And um, I was upset later that night thinking about it, but in the moment it was, uh, I didn't really know what to do. You just show your ID and try to, you know, keep moving, but it it, it, it is a, sh a shocking thing. And then uh, I talked about it as well, like eating a pizza with a couple friends um, in Chicago, in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, and just randomly we were eating outside the, the pizza store and uh, a cop just asked me like who, who I was like I don't even know that he he said a name I don't even know what the name was and I was like uh that that's that's not me and I had to show him my ID to actually confirm it to him um and I, I was you know just shocked um very uncomfortable afterwards especially other patrons of the restaurant were just staring at me looking at me like or, or like I don't know if the looks were like, what are you, like, who are you then? Or like, you know, I feel sorry for you. I don't, I don't know, like, whether they were sympathy looks or act accusatory looks. Um, I'm Ja'Cory Hayes, man. Y'all want an autograph? Come on, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at? Yeah, we could take a picture. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, and then, like, of course, afterwards you think about it, it's like, man, like, that could have gone terribly south. Like, what, what happens if you just arrest me there? Um, you know, there was a recent video that surfaced that I saw the other day, like a guy was, you know, yeah, you have, he was saying like, yeah, you have the wrong guy and they arrested him and then checked his ID and they were like, oh yeah, you are the wrong guy. Like, sorry, go about your day. It's like, no, 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 don't, no, this isn't go about my day. This is, you wrongfully arrested me like off of what exactly? Um, and so it's, it's, and of course, the, luckily the guy wasn't harmed. There wasn't any, you know, physical harm to say the least. Uh, there wasn't any physical harm, but, you know, these things as we've seen on other videos and other, you know, stories sometimes end in the, the uh, in death um, or you're, you're locked up for a long time, you know, because they mistake an identity or they actually pin the case on you. So it's a, uh, I was fortunate that it, it didn't lead to that. It didn't lead to any arrest, but you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's a terrible thing. Yeah. I think and you I'm touched on, 
you touched on the video. I think I saw that same video. Like the guy turned out to be like an FBI agent and like he pulled the supervisor, the supervisor came out and like the supervisor wasn't even going to take action against his officers. And the guy watched the whole entire thing happen. Right. Yeah, in front he was of in complete so, denial. He was just like, Oh, like the guy was like, I could have been dead. He's like, but there is no one dead. And it's yeah, like, no, that's not, exactly. the, that's not the issue. Like, you know, it's, you, that can't be allowed to be okay because then it does lead to someone's death. So we we saw the same thing in um, George Floyd's murder with police officers standing around and not taking any action, um, especially from the one specific camera view that I saw. Uh, Brandon was a military police officer. Um, he's out of the military now. But Brandon, you shared something with us yesterday just about kind of what you were taught in a situation like that. What was that? Yeah, so it's like we were taught that if you see something like wrong going on with your partner or like anybody in general that you work with, kind of pretty much correct them on the spot. Like all those cops could have at least thrown him off off of George Floyd or at least, you know, done something, tell him like or just move his knee. Yeah. And like because he was he was on the ground for way too long. He could have easily been put in the back of the cop car more a lot more easily than what they what they did. And literally like if if it was me or anybody else, because I, I guarantee you, one of those cops in the back of his head had it, oh, I know he's doing something wrong right now, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to let him go, right? Like, just not think about anything, because I don't want to be that bad cop, you know, correcting my partner. So they yeah. could easily, easily take them off of him and said, you know, and push them back. It was like, get off of him or something like that. So, and we were always told, like, if you see something wrong, correct it on the spot. Even if, even if it's like escalated situation. Like get, get 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 it done that way nobody gets hurt or anything like that. So and, and that should happen in every workplace, every home, every community across the United States and across the world. Really, if you see something wrong, say something. Um, and if you see something that inherently wrong, you have to stop it. Like right then and there. Um, the police officers that were present for the whole George Floyd situation, the whole murder. Um, to be honest with you, I think they're almost as um, guilty as um, the police officer that had his knee on his neck, if you ask me. Uh, I view it um, the same. I view it the yeah. same. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that, too, because they, I mean, they could have taken action. They could have stopped him from that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, One guy, st- he stood watch and kept people from trying to help. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, they're, they're 100% equally as, uh, at fault. Yeah, and that goes back to, like, what I said earlier, like silence is sometimes worse than actually doing something. So because silence, you're kind of just sitting back, letting it happen, but you might not be the one performing the action, but sitting there watching something wrong happen is just as bad as doing the action, in my opinion. Right. 100%. Since we were kind of just talking about the George Floyd uh, murder and you know, the camera views that were used and the people that were standing there screaming at the police officers to get them to stop. Um, That surfaced on social media. We also see, you know, the agendas that are pushed on the national media, whether it be CNN or Fox News or what have you. So when reporting on, you know, the George Floyd case or the Black Lives Matter movement or social injustice in general or the protests, how do the roles of social media and the national media differ? Yeah, I think, um, so the national media is just driven by, you know, sensationalism. They're going to be the ones that, you know, post the burning buildings, the, 
the uh, the negative aspects. The they they have they have their own agendas that they run. Whether it's you know Fox News, like you said, CNN, MSNBC, they have they have their political skew, their political agenda that they want to run. Um, and I think the social social media has a has a strong impact to showcase you know day to day what's going on, uh, what's what's going what's happening on the ground. Um, you know, you're able to share daily updates of the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, acts of social injustice can be shared. Um, without social media, we wouldn't even know of a George Floyd. Uh, we wouldn't know of, you know, you know, a lot of these various cases uh, that happen daily across the country. So the, you know, the advent of these social media platforms and, you know, being able to camera everyone has a camera phone everyone can be like the, you know the news anchor you know of, of these stories um uh it's it's shown a lot and you know it's not like the is i've seen this quote you know passed around or you know these similar type posts he's like you know racism isn't just like spiking up right now it's just being recorded um and so social media has a has a has a big obligation or a big um responsibility of um being able for you know everyone to be able to share their story and show what's going on day to day, and they're able to do that. Um, you know, every, yeah, they're able to you know do that and effectively communicate what's going on to the rest of the world. Whereas you know the national media, they have their reasons behind it, or they you know, only only things that make the the news hour or something that gets people to watch it. It it is at the end of the day entertainment. Um, even though it is supposed to be news and people are supposed to be updated and you know kept mm -hmm. aware of what's going on around the country and the world, but at the end of the day, the news channels are ran as entertainment channels. Um, mm -hmm. So it has to be something that you know keeps people engaged, and unfortunately, that kind of uh, muddies uh, how effectively they can show what's going on day to day. Yeah, and their the national media, their content is driven towards a specific audience, um, so that they're based off their audience, they're driving their agenda um, to them. Uh, our social media people behind the cameras or people that are tweeting out, you know, especially the people behind the cameras at the protests and, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, they're kind of our freelance reporters that are really showing you up close and personal what's happening. The national media hasn't done a very good job about showing the small successes that the protests have had thus far. Uh, in that, you know, the police officers are taking a knee um, with the protesters or the, pro or the police officers are walking and marching with the protesters. You don't see that on national media, but on the social media, you see that constantly and you see cops having, um, you know, real conversations with the people that are protesting. Um, whereas, you know, the, the national media wants to focus more on what time the curfew is, uh, what time the curfew is, what streets they're blocking in downtown Manhattan, uh, what stores were looted last night, showing the, the footage of people being, you know, stomped out and, and, and beat up and stores being looted. Um, yeah, and it's, uh, and you see a lot of the channels there having debates whether loots, looting is right and um, that sort of thing. And it's, uh, it kind of puts you in the mindset of like, do they do they care more about the buildings or you know people's lives? Um, obviously, like I don't condone the the looting and everything, but 
you know, people, I'm, I'm not going to tell people how to riot and protest, um, you know, but I think it's a problem when these news channels are condemning the, the rioters and the looters harder than they're doing the social injustice that's happening. And I think it truly shows uh, where their values are. Um, and, you know, ultimately, they, like you said, they're, they're there to entertain us. And um, it, it's a reflection of what our, our values are as well. Because they're they're only doing that to fit their audience or show talk about what their audience thinks. Um, so it's uh, if if people are more upset about the looting than actual you know the social injustice and you know police officers murdering black men and unarmed black men and uh, and, and women um, can't forget that. Um, then their their values are in the wrong place. They care more about buildings than human lives. One thing that I did see on social media, I'm not sure if it's been on the national media, but George Floyd's daughter saying, dad changed the world. For me, I'm struggling with that, to be completely honest with you. Um, while I agree that this has sparked a conversation and hopefully somewhere down the line it sparked a change, I wish it didn't have to come at the expense of his life, um, you know. Oh, it, it's come way too far. This this needs to end. You know, like we stated earlier in the podcast, like it, it seems like it's a never-ending circle. But Weston McKinney and DeAndre Yedlin and a bunch of guys put out a video today. They said, enough is enough. And that is exactly how I feel. I wish George Floyd's daughter didn't have to, um, you know, it, it's a nice quote. And yes, he may change the world, but I wish it didn't have to come at the expense of his life. Like enough is enough. We need to value every man's life, black, white, Hispanic, whatever, man, woman, yeah. child. It doesn't matter. Enough yeah, is enough. It's, heart it's heartbreaking to see that, and you know she'll grow up without a dad. Um, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking to see it. I mean, that's all you, all you can say, and you you just hope this this is the final straw. You mean you, you just hope against hope that it, that it doesn't happen again. Um, and you know now is the time for all of us to look in the mirror and and, and make be the difference that we want to see yeah Absolutely. so we kind of we touched on social media and social media like everything gains more traction through social media nowadays than ever before and a movement that was kind of started a while ago but has really gained traction this time around is the black lives movement can you, what is your kind of message to people looking to understand and help with this movement? Yeah, uh, the, the biggest thing is, so the biggest response, the common response to Black Lives Matter is that all lives matter. Um, and so the thing with that, the, the two aren't mutually exclusive. It's not like what, saying Black Lives Matter is not negating that someone else's or everyone else's lives like don't matter um it's just stressing that right now it appears that the black lives do not matter and don't carry much weight and even if your argument is to say all lives matter you can't say that without black lives mattering too so it's like all lives can't matter until black lives matter um so it's when when you hear that argument it's just like a like almost like just covering your eyes like you know ignoring the the issue it's like you know it's, it's just a silencing technique um and just like oh like i i'm in my bubble 
I don't see what's happening. All lives matter to me, but you know, right right now, clearly that's that's not the case in all of society. So, um, yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing I, I want to say with that message is like you know, saying that does not mean other people's lives, other other people are not important or their lives don't matter. It's 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 not saying that at all. It's just like. And I know you guys have seen probably the the meme of the the house on fire, and it's like, oh, all all houses matter. They spray water on the house that's dry and you know, or that's not on fire, and you're ignoring the one that is on fire. It's right now, black lives in this country um, don't seem to matter as much, and that's what we're calling attention to. It's not negating anyone else's life or any of their anyone else's value. So I think you've had a lot of really powerful quotes so far in this interview, Ja'Cory. But I think that you just said something that really resonated and really, um, like I said, when, when we were seeking out this interview, we were seeking to be um, educated and understand a little bit better. So when you were just describing the Black Lives Matter movement and you said all lives can't matter until Black Lives Matter, um, for me, that's the most powerful thing that you have said on this episode and that is that has really hit home um and we will continue to share that message uh, and, and we're going to continue to support whatever way we can so thank you for that quote that is absolutely amazing jacory and you're absolutely correct about that um you know be, because of the social media uh, you know exposing all of these things coming out you know, you, you said it, you know, it seemed like black lives don't matter. So we, we need them to matter. Everybody matters. Um, and we need you guys not like you just said, all lives can't matter until black lives matter. Point blank period. Um, great quote. Great quote. Uh, so Poopus, you want to go ahead and close us out with our last scripted question, man? Uh, so, Ja'Cory, so what, what actions do you think the president needs to do to you know, actually take control of this and help out, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. And, and let me add to that. And what characteristics would a leader need to um, embody and, you know, start change within the nation that they lead? Uh, yeah, that's, um, that's, there's a lot there, um, you know, in terms of what a leader should do, you know, he should, like we said earlier, you know, it should unite the people and give people some sort of hope. Listen to the people that are, you know, feel disadvantaged and not heard by this country. You know, um, I think it was the Martin Luther King quote as is like the riots are the language of the unheard. It's like people don't feel heard right now. And, you know, there's there's been countless names murdered by the police and um still that we we still see it happen happening um so it's a, a leader should be listening to what the people are saying um give them some sort of hopes give them some some like something to look forward to in terms of all right we're changing this policy we're going to enact this we're gonna we're gonna do these things um and that's that's just not what I'm seeing right now during this time. Um, uh, you know, during his speech the other day, he, he said he was going to protect peaceful protesters. And minutes before his speech, you know, he sh they shot tear gas and rubber bullets at the peaceful protesters. 
um, just in, at the end, it turns out he just wanted to do it so he could walk calmly over and do a photo op in front of a church. Um, so there's many contradictory things in his actions and his words and all for a photo op. And so there's, there's a lot of things that he's not doing to, to inspire hope and lead us to a, a brighter future. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I, th I think we can go on for, for hours um, about this, but um, right right now it's uh, it's it's not really looking too good from the and, leadership. And I agree with that, like, because uh, I, I feel like the city and state governments need to take control first, because especially going through, like, their uh, police, like, a whole police station and stuff like that, because I think that one guy had, like, I think 18 complaints against him or eight complaints, something like that, that was kneeling. So I feel like it needs to come internal first. And get get those cops out of there that have all those complaints against them. I just pretty much clean house. So I think yeah, that's what they a, need to start doing too. There was a podcast that the New York Times, the Daily, put out. Um, I want to say it was earlier this week. Maybe it was well, today's only Wednesday, so maybe like Monday or Tuesday. It's just a couple of days ago, um, and they just talked about the difficulty in removing bad officers. Um, you know, they have internal review boards, so it's you know police policing themselves and uh right now that's you know it's it's there it doesn't seem like they're very willing to you know kick their their buddy off the off the team for you know not behaving as they should not performing in the, as high of a level as they should um and then they talked about you know how hard it is to even convict the, the police officers once it happens in terms of proving that without a shadow of a doubt that another officer in the same situation would react the same way and you can't really look inside their mind and see how fearful they were in various moments. Um, and they were also talked about fighting up against the police union that's in that's that's around and it's it's hard to even if a new police chief wants to come in and clean house and say you know, they, the officer had, you know, the previous counts against them. Uh, like if he wanted to be like, all right, that's no longer acceptable. And, but they, the police union can, union can come back in and be like, Hey, like, n no, like in the past, the police officer only got suspension without pay or suspension with pay for that same type of crime. Uh, you can't go above and beyond that. They, they refer back to the precedent. So it's even difficult for a new police chief to come in and try to clean house and get rid of the, the, the bad, the quote unquote bad apples um, or clean out the, the, the cops that don't fall, don't follow his ideals. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot going on and there's a, a lot of different barriers to try to overcome to, you know, get the police force operating at a, at a level that's, you know, fair and competent to the high standard that they should be held at. Um, uh, so he, there's just ma many layers to this onion, you know? Yeah. Cause like, I know like, it just amazed me cause like how quick those, uh, those other three or four cops got fired, like right after it happened, it's like they knew something. So it just, you know, if they can make it that easy, then why can't you make the whole, you know, the rest of the bad apples in there that easy to get rid of? So Chris Rock, I saw on social media today, uh, I don't know if the quote was from a long time ago, but he made an analogy between, you know, police departments and airlines and pilots. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, you know, so there's a uh, tambourine stand-up comedy, I think two years ago. Haven't seen it, but it was, it was an amazing <laughs> quote. And, and basically he said, you know, there's not a lot of room for error in being a police officer and there's not a lot of room for error in being, you know, a pilot. You can't be a pilot and, you know, sometimes you land the plane safely and sometimes you don't. Like you, it's your responsibility to land the plane safely. Yeah. The same as it is the responsibility of a police officer to, um, you know, keep the community safe. Um, yeah. 100%. Some jobs you just can't be bad at. You know, you can't you can't land the plane eighty percent of the time. You got exactly. You got to <laughs> land it safely every time. You have to keep your community safe every time. You have to use good judgment every time, regardless of race, regardless of gender. Yeah, and it's a high standard. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's difficult, but that's just that's the requirement. Mm -hmm. So, Upas Dakota, do you guys have any more questions for Jacory off the record? No, honestly, I don't. No, I, I appreciate everything like you've done for us on this show. Honestly, like it's you know it brings you know it brings a lot more to me too, not understanding some things that are going on right now. Also, so I appreciate everything you've said and like you've definitely made a big impact on like especially after we release this episode, you're gonna definitely make a big Im impact on people too. So and I appreciate everything you've done and thank you for joining us today. Cool. Thank you guys for having us. You know, I just want to be able to use my platform to share what what I've learned what I still have to learn and you know it's not I'm not up here on, on, a, on a on a pedestal pointing down at everyone I'm you know in the crowd trying to figure things out just as everyone else is and I know I have to look in the mirror and see what more I can do myself so um, I'm just happy I was you know given the opportunity from you guys to speak yeah and I just want to thank you again also and I think this is I mean this has really opened my eyes this whole week but also just sitting down talking to you and having this discussion with a group face-to-face -face, kind of um, we're talking in the computers, but it's kind of face-to-face. And I mean, we're all being looked up to by somebody I'm being looked up to by kids. I work with in the summer by my players. I'm being held to that high standard. Poopus has a kid. So he's getting like looked up to by his kid, Blake. I know there's kids looking up to him as well. So like, if kids are looking up to us and we're not being activists about this or teaching them the right way to live life and to go about it, we're letting not only people down right now, but the future down as well. And we need to, like you said, look inside ourselves to really become better and to really take this to the next level and really keep fighting for this change. Yeah, it's, it starts with us making a difference internally within ourselves. Um, and from that, then, you know, advocating for those around you and, and spreading the word and spreading your knowledge. Um, so I encourage all of us, myself, Jacory, Poopus, Dakota, um, continue to spread this knowledge and continue to spread this conversation. Jacory, if, you know, people keep hitting you up for podcasts or people want to talk to you, man, you gave us so much insight today. Uh, we only reach a very limited amount of people. So, you know, I encourage you to continue to speak up. It's going to, to make a difference. Um, your knowledge and your ability to speak was, was great. And I think you just need to keep continuing to use that voice to um, ignite change within, you know, the Minnesota area and, you know, the, the national, um, you know, within our nation in general. So, Jacory. Thank you so much. 
Um, you know, we appreciate you coming on here to allow us to use our platform and to give you a platform to reach other people that wouldn't have, you know, generally heard this. So we appreciate that. And you, like we said in the very opening of it, you know, we sought out to further educate ourselves, broaden our understanding and figure out more ways that we could um, support this movement and support African-Americans within our community. So we appreciate you coming on, man. Um, do you have any questions for us or any last words you want to leave us with? No, I had, had a lot of fun talking to you guys tonight. You know, this isn't an easy topic to talk about, um, but I'm, I'm glad we were able to, you know, have a, a discussion and, you know, bounce thoughts off and, you know, hopefully others can gain some insight and, you know, this is just an introduction and, you know, just the base layer and hopefully we can keep building on this and, you know, take down, you know, take down racism. <laughs> And honestly, like, we'd love to have you on another future show and actually just talk about soccer with you, too. So, <laughs> if, you're, if you're down yeah. for that, too. Let's make it happen. <laughs> All right. Sounds good to me, too. All right. Cool, man. Yeah, Ja'Cory, we'll stay in contact, man. Uh, until the next time we talk to you, stay safe. Uh, keep using that voice. Uh, this is MLS Gone Wild, week 14, with uh, guest Ja'Cory Hayes of Minnesota United FC. Uh, before we go ahead and sign out, I'm going to leave you guys with this quote that he that he gave us. All lives can't matter until black lives matter. Y'all let that sink in. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace.